Welcome to Ladies Roadmap to Living Ageless. I'm Jo Jamie Tyler. And I'm Lana Helda. We're here to expand your awareness and inspire you to uncover your own ageless journey. Our guest today is Dr. Melanie Bone, who is a board-certified OBGYN with over 30 years of experience in women's health care. She's a cancer survivor, a mother of five, a public speaker, and a woman's health advocate. Lana, what makes Dr. Bone so different is that she's improving women's health with cannabis, so we have so much to talk about today. Yeah, welcome, Dr. Bone. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we really want to thank you for giving us your valuable time because we're all hearing so much about, you know, cannabis, CBD, the different remedies and benefits to all of its products, but there's just so many question marks still, and it's great to have an expert. So we really appreciate it and uh, can't wait to talk to you all about your process. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we need to have the same as COVID virus, you know, fact versus fiction, because we're in the beginning stages of using cannabinoids for health and wellness along with women's issues. And some of it is a lot of fiction and not as much fact. And we're learning as we go. This subject of the word cannabis can really put uh, your heckles up for some people that don't know about it. I've never heard of it. I was telling my mom this morning that we were going to do a show about this and she was like, what? So this is really, this is a really important topic for us all to be educated about. Yeah, she's 84. And in her mind, she has the taboo about, you know, marijuana and can't imagine what what we're going to talk about. But I'm just so fascinated with your process, Dr. Bone, because as you put it, your practice focuses on the intersection of cannabis and women's health care, and you use a holistic approach. So tell us about that. Okay. But let me just also preface by saying I also do work on a cannabinoid initiative in an over 65 facility where the average age of the patients that I'm treating between 75 and 85. And uh, so you're right. There, the stigma is a deal breaker for many people, no matter what we try to do. But in my women's health practice, I think I attract people who either don't feel the stigma, are not afraid, or are suffering enough that they're willing to give anything a try to see if they can get better. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you're that sick. So it, to, to that point, are most of your uh, clients suffering from some kind of cancer? Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm really talking about women's health. For example, menopause. I have many patients come in who are suffering badly from menopause. I think that's probably a large portion of what I do in terms of my women's health care. I mean, I treat cancer patients. I treat women with uh, pelvic pain from endometriosis, um, cramps from their menstrual period, PMS. But I have a cohort of patients who suffer with menopause, and we try to do integrative care for them. Let's just get right into it. Can you just tell us what it is that you're using and 
how it works and just let's just dig sure. right in. Sure. Okay. So you have to understand that when we're born, we have something called an endocrine system, right? Most of us know that as your thyroid gland, your ovaries, your pituitary gland, and, and a hormone is produced in an endocrine system. And the definition of a hormone is it's something that's made in one gland, but it goes to other places in your body to do work. So for example, estrogen is produced in the ovary primarily, and it works by going to different sites and exerting its effect. So we also are born with something called an endocannabinoid system, and that only became discovered um, in the 1990s. And what it is, it's a series of receptors in the brain and also in the periphery, which is other places in your body. And instead of using, let's say, thyroid hormone, which the thyroid gland responds to, instead of that, the endocannabinoid system has CBD, which is something that's produced outside of the body in plants. We call those um, exogenous cannabinoids, but we have them in our own body, CBD. It's called an endocannabinoid, meaning it's made inside the body. And also we have something called um, endogenous THC, and THC is known as that part of the marijuana plant that gets you high. And so we have in our body the way to produce our native CBD and THC, and then those exert effects through a series of neuroreceptors in our body to produce certain effects, just like hormones do. Like we said, estrogen, progesterone. Is what you're saying. We all have the part, we all have some of this within our bodies anyway, the same. It's a, you called it a what cannabinoid? Endo, meaning internal. Internal is endo, an endocannabinoid system. And then it's just like we have a hormone system in our body and we produce estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. But when you go through menopause, for example, many of the symptoms are because we no longer produce enough estrogen and our body develops symptoms of that lack of estrogen. I mean, probably the most yeah, famous then, being hot flashes and flushes, right? So then you use the cannabis to help with those symptoms well, by taking it I think it's way more complicated than that. Okay. So I can't tell you that you could take cannabinoids in place of hormones to solve the same problems. But there's a very intricate and delicate interaction between cannabinoids and hormones. And you can, I find, use the two in combination to get a better effect than either one alone. I could never tell you that I think, oh, just never use estrogen and you're going to be fine. I think there's some women who never need estrogen. They can use cannabinoids and they're fine. And there's some women who can only use estrogen and the cannabinoids don't do anything for them. So every patient is unique. 
unfortunately, and we, how do you work with that? Right. Do you do blood work? Do you do blood work to find out, or what right. do you do well, to that's, establish? This is why we're in, you know, the early, early stages of cannabis medicine, because we have no blood tests or tests to do. We do it the old-fashioned way. We talk to the patient and we see how they're doing, and we try to work with them based on symptoms and how symptoms are getting alleviated or not by what we've instituted. You know, people think that hormones, well, you can measure my level and see how I'm doing. Well, it's way more complicated than that because to be honest, hormone levels don't always reflect how you're doing either. I'll give you an example. If you go to the gynecologist and complain of hot flashes and the gynecologist says, here, I'm going to give you an estrogen and that could be a pill or a patch or a cream, whatever you decide with the gynecologist. And then you you go back a month or two later and the gynecologist goes, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm doing much better. My hot flashes are better. I'm sleeping better. Wonderful. And then we say, well, let's dry your blood. Now, we could have one of three results with that blood. We could have a result that falls in, quote unquote, the normal range for a premenopause patient. But if you knew the range of estrogen for premenopause patients, it depends on where they are in their cycle. Early in their cycle, they may have a level of 20. At ovulation, their estrogen level might be 500. So when you bring somebody back to, to test them, if they come in at 80 and they're happy, I think, that's a nice thing. However, what if they say, I feel great and you measure their level and it's 22. So now you have a patient who feels fine on what you did. It doesn't seem to be reflected in the blood work and you can do saliva. There are alternate ways to do it, but it isn't always reflected. Do you change their dose just to make the numbers look better? Or do you say to the patient, well, if you're feeling well, even though your blood numbers seem to remain low, I, I think we go based on how you feel. And then on yeah, so the trial and error. Reason, it's very trial and error. And the only reason I use blood, honestly, is to make sure I didn't completely overshoot the mark. So if you come back and your blood level is five or 600, I say, uh-uh, too much estrogen. <laughs> I don't think that you need that much. And then we can titrate backward. And also, I occasionally have a patient comes back and says, oh, my hot flashes are not any better. And their level is 500. And I say, listen, your level is better than a 20-year-old in the middle of ovulating. Your hot flashes are probably not related to estrogen at this point. We have to look for other reasons. So that's how, so when you're a gynecologist and you manage people where the testing you have isn't always reflective of how the patient is doing, it makes you pretty good at doing cannabis because you don't even have levels to manage. You can only manage the patient based on how they're doing. And I just can tell you, I've noticed some interesting things. I noticed that adding a little bit of cannabis allows for a pretty nice um, decrease in the use of estrogen. And for women who have higher risk situations, and are concerned about estrogen, for example, let's say and breast cancer risk, they usually are very happy to come down on their dose if they can replace it with some cannabinoid. That gives us a lot of hope. 
Yeah, there's a lot of hope there. And how do how we get it in your body? Well, there are many ways to get cannabinoids into your body. And I like the word cannabinoids as opposed to cannabis. So cannabis is a plant, right? Cannabis sativa. And and it's the same name really for hemp or for marijuana. And those two plants are the same except for the amount of THC they have in them. And when you do cannabinoid medicine, you may really not give the patient any THC at all, or you might give them just the tiny amount that's native in hemp, or you might need to give them THC from marijuana, the cannabis plant with a higher amount of THC. So because it varies so much from patient to patient, I just like the term cannabinoid because it covers the whole um, spectrum of no THC up to higher dose THC. And I guess it depends on what the patient is complaining of. I think in women, a really common manifestation of anything, menopause, PMS, perimenopause, um, endometriosis, anxiety, right? Anxiety is the buzzword of this um, year in particular, but I have been noticing over the last year or two, more and more and more patients coming and complaining of anxiety. So when we go to treat anxiety, we must remember that THC, which gets people high, is not always your friend for anxiety. Too much THC actually induces anxiety and paranoia, and we don't want to do that. Dr. Bowden, I just have a question for you with all this. I can see you're so knowledgeable in all this, and I'm just so curious of how, as a medically trained doctor, that you even got into all this. Yeah, I got into this in a very backward way. I have five children, and um, no, I use no cannabis when I have my cancer. It had nothing to do with that. Um, My one child of my five um, decided they really liked cannabis way too much. And I ended up sending that child to a wilderness program where they put your child out in the woods Mm -hmm. for a couple months to reconnect with the universe in a way other than through cannabis. And my child did really, really well. Um, But uh, at the end of the months in wilderness, the therapist said to me, I think your child needs to go to a therapeutic boarding school, not home, because the dynamic will Um, make the whole thing start again. So on the way to this boarding school, they instituted a drug for mood stabilization because they said that my child had a mood issue, which didn't surprise me. And I said, okay. And then unfortunately, my child was the one in a million who developed a life-threatening reaction to the medication. Um, It's a disease called Stevens-Johnson syndrome. And if you want to look it up, it looks like somebody took a torch to your child's body. Um, Carlton was, uh, lost all the skin on face and lips and um, was blind for a short time and was in the intensive care unit really fighting for life. And when Carlton finally got better, the conversation went like this, mom, I use cannabis for social anxiety, depression, mood. And you know what? I'll never get Stevens Johnson from marijuana. But if you give me any other medicine, I could get it again. And if I get it, there's a 90% chance I will die. And therefore, I will never touch another medicine. 
And so from that, I said, well, what what can I do to make this right now that I've used all my retirement savings to send you to wilderness and protect you from it? (laughs) And the answer was, well, why don't you start learning about it? And my child is kind of like a genius. I'm not saying that because it's my child, but Carlton's pretty unbelievably gifted. And together, we studied and Carlton would send me articles to read and we'd discuss it. And honestly, that's how I became a cannabis expert. And then I just kept going on my own and I opened my own practice in 2016. And now we're four years later and I'm quite busy and I'm still learning every day from patients, from um, articles of colleagues, reading studies, participating in some clinical research. And all of that is helping me be a better cannabis doctor. Are you finding that the doctors and, and the medical field is accepting more and more that this can work and that this can help and it's becoming more mainstream? Or do you think we have a long way to go? I don't think we have a super long way to go. I think we have healthy skepticism from physicians who say, I want double-blinded, uh, prospective, randomized, controlled trials because we've been raised on that as doctors as being the gold standard. I always say, well, since THC gets you high, how can it be double-blinded? I mean, obviously, when the person gets THC um, and if they feel the effects, they're going to know what they got. And the other thing about cannabis that's interesting is we know cannabis works with a lot of placebo initially. And that's not a negative thing about cannabis. It's just a fact. The people who want it to work, it works better. The people who we bring it to them and they aren't enthralled about it, I think we can sometimes have some real nice surprises, but we also have patients who almost will themselves not to have it work. With the, with the cannabis, are you giving it in an oil like tincture form or are you doing it, you know, how do you prescribe it? Primarily in the older, more mature populations, um, we use a lot of sublingual drops, either tinctures or concentrates. We use um, oral capsules in some people. It's hard to start with those because they're hard to manage. You have to pick one selected dose. And the theory behind cannabis is you let people titrate their dose themselves and figure out what works. And it's hard if you only give them you know, a capsule that has one dose. So we usually go to that once we figure out what the dose is. If we can find a capsule that would be close to that, we will offer them a capsule. The problem with capsules is they take up to two hours to work and then they last six to eight hours. So it also depends on the complaint. Well, speaking of all these uh, different types of things, what would happen if someone is interested in, 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 getting some professional help like yourself. Do you do this uh, over the over a video conference or could someone find someone locally? Is this a new industry that you're creating? Uh, well, you know, in our state, telemedicine has not been approved of for cannabis, except just since COVID, we are permitted to take patients who already are in the Florida system and do their follow-up visits by telemedicine. So every state is different. Remember, if it involves THC, you really can't do it across state lines. That's 
Right. Right. So and what about, what about the process? Say, say if it isn't legal, like we're in, I'm in California and it's legal. Right. So that's a whole different ball game. Correct. Correct. You know, there's some really neat women in, in California doing treatment of menopause and issues with suppositories, vaginal suppositories. Um, so there's, oh, wow. there's some things you have in California that we really don't even have here in Florida. Um, we rarely will get a suppository available to us. But what what you have to do is seek out through your state um, a medical marijuana practitioner. And then you can also see if there are any of them who happen to have women's health interests. So are they a gynecologist who added cannabis to what they're doing? And I think more and more you're going to see this happen. I, I've been approached by a few companies that are interested in getting into this business. Well, I've had um, friends and and my sister, as you know, who have had breast cancer or another kind of cancer, mm-hmm. and they're in. You know, my friend out here didn't did, had not gone to someone like you yourself, but she, she just studied it, and so she's been taking uh, cannabis orally through through drops. You know, doing the tinctures mm-hmm. um, all during her all of her chemotherapy and radiation, and it seemed to really help her. And then as you helped my sister, um, I know that it helped her as well. Do you find that uh, it really is a big, big help to people who are going through cancer treatments? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the only areas also where we have some data. Israel has most of the data on cannabis, but we have clinical data, but they have really great data. And it alleviates nausea, vomiting in patients with side effects of chemo. But I'm going to say it's more than that. It improves quality of life. And I... I can't tell you how much it improves quality of life, except to say that at this over 65 facility where I work, the most adorable things that we see are these 80-year-olds who they're they're tired, they're old, they're ill, a lot of them, and their quality of life suffers, right? And we put them on not even a lot, very small amounts of cannabis, and they come in and they're smiling and they're able to move and they're not... um, they're not complaining about some of their health concerns the way they were when they first came in. And the, their caregivers thank us and say, we see a huge uh-huh. difference. They're smiling more. And I see with cancer patients who are younger in my other practices, they do. They say, I know I'm in a hard spot. I have cancer, but I'm getting through it thanks to this cannabis. And and I just, awesome. well, I-, yeah, I just want to point out, Cannabis doesn't work because you get high and forget about your problems. But I do think no. a lot of people believe that. And it's very well, complex. Well, to that point, let me just let me just stop you there because to that point, a lot of us in this age group are using um, cannabis oils and, and CBD or CBD oils that help us sleep. Uh, I, I take one every night that works really well. It actually is a CBD CBN. So it does have a little bit of THC, mm-hmm. but boy, I use that in the evening, every evening for two reasons. And you can, you can validate this or not. One, I've been told that the CBD is an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. and two, so I think that's good for me. And then second, I take that and I go to sleep so much 
more quickly and I sleep like a baby. I don't even get up to go to the bathroom anymore. Well, I think that's tremendous. And, and I do, I believe that the CBD is an anti-inflammatory along with things like CBN, CBC, CBG. They all have things they do that are the same and they all have things they do that are a little bit different. And CBN is touted to be very relaxing. Um, I've personally tried a bunch of different CBN products and to date, I'm not, it doesn't work on me the way it works on other people, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard they all, they all work differently on different people. So I guess we, we should be open to trying different brands or different methods of using it. Both and and different composition, but I really think that it's great to visit with a cannabinoid physician who can, or some type of cannabinoid practitioner who can explain more. You know, um, why is it uh, that some patients don't need any THC to get the relaxation and fall asleep, and other patients need the THC to fall asleep because everybody's endocannabinoid system. Dr. Bone, what would you tell someone that would say, I'm fearful that I might be addicted to it? So I always explain addiction. So there's four ways you can use a substance. You can just use it. You know, okay, I smoked pot once, boom. You can abuse it. I just kept using it and using it and using it until I was stoned out of my mind. And then you can become habituated to it where you like it to fall asleep. It really helps you. And if you don't use it, you might not sleep as well and you might be a little bit grouchy. But addiction is you can't function normally without it. And you would do anything to get your hands on it if you ran out of it. Even go into somebody's uh, bedroom when you were at their house having dinner and see if they have any hiding in a drawer and steal it. Okay. So I don't know too many people that are addicted to marijuana. There is a cannabis use um, disorder where people overuse, but true addiction, I don't see. And I would tell you that if you need something each night, are you addicted or you're just habituated? I think you're probably just habituated. And I, I think in those people, if you want to take a quote unquote tolerance break just to see how you do and see if it gets a little more effective when you go back to it, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for CBD in particular, I don't believe that there's true addiction. For marijuana, I think there's more a use disorder than a true addiction. When you're explaining, let's say, to an 84-year-old woman or even a 70-year-old woman that what we're going to do is a cannibal, can, cannabinoid, or I think I said that right, <laughs> and it's different. Canna- thank you. Can, I didn't think it's that right. Cannabinoid. It's Perfect. really different than marijuana. How do, you, how do you say that to them? How do you put that in a little short soundbite so they understand what you're trying to say? Right. So I say things like the, the, we're talking about these things called cannabinoids and they are derived from a plant called cannabis sativa. And the same parts of the plant are in hemp and in marijuana. And we are going to derive them initially from hemp 
and see how you do. If we need to add the element called THC um, in a greater dose that requires you to apply for a card from the state, then we'll do so. But I will guide you in such a way that my goal is to not get you high. And I think that's what most people are worried because older people worry, you're going to get me high, I'm going to get dizzy, and I'm going to fall down. And falls are very dangerous in the older population. Therefore, I say, I will treat you exactly as I would treat my own mother. That's awesome. I mean, just the fact that you can give people relief like that and make them feel better. I'm I'm just so fascinated by the whole subject, but I'm even I'm even more fascinated by the fact that you've taken it into your into your practice and into helping women. So kudos to you, Dr. Bone. Is there a website or anything that ladies that are listening to our show can go to to sort of to get more information about physicians like yourself, maybe across the country? Oh, you know, that'd be great. I do not know of one site that's a clearinghouse for people who are interested in cannabis and women's health. Um, I know that it's probably the way I mentioned before. You can check and see who are cannabis providers in your state, and then you can look at what their other specialization is and if it's women's health then that would be a good contact. The other way is to Google. There are a few people around the country doing the things I do. Um, And, you know, if you search, it's probably just through the internet, putting in keywords and looking for someone. I have a website. And if somebody is somewhere that they really want help, they could always reach out and contact. We have a contact page. Um, I can find out where they are and see if I can help them if, if they're stymied. Great. And I want to say to everyone that Dr. Bone's website is incredibly thorough. She has a a fact page where you can ask almost any question you would think that you would want to ask. And she actually has the answer on her site. It's an an amazing website, very informative. And, you know, I just, uh, out here again, and, and, and I don't, don't think we said that Dr. Bone is in Florida. And so Florida is not legal legalized yet, marijuana yet. Whereas I'm in California and it is. So if I want to go get some, I can just go down to the local dispensary and get my CBD oil that has a touch of THC in it. But for those of you who cannot, you probably need to find someone like Dr. Bone to help you out to get your medical certificate. And you can just go to uh, drmelaniebone.com and we will have her address linked in our show notes. Anything, any other reading or anything, Dr. Bone, that you would suggest somebody might might want to look into? Any books? Any books? Well, there there is a plethora of books um, on women's health and cannabis. You know, it's funny. I'm probably the opposite of most doctors. I you have to just look at the source to make sure the person writing the book doesn't have an agenda. I, I will. I just want to mention, I love cannabinoid medicine, but I'm not a cannabis evangelist. And I think the, one of the things I see in this space is a lot of people coming out touting cannabis to be the answer for everything. And I don't think it is. Um, and so if, if you find a book and it says, the cannabis answer, like it's the answer to everything. No, I don't believe that. So you want to look for something that looks a little more balanced in, in 
the blurb that you read. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Well, we really appreciate you giving us all some a little bit more clarity on this subject because we are hearing so much about it. And we hope you're staying well and safe down there in Florida during this crazy time. Uh, and thank you again for giving us all of your... Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. You can do it on iTunes or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.